There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. So, Nate, this week we have a musical mystery. Hey, Charlie and Nate, it's Sarah from Berkeley here. What is going on with We Don't Talk About Bruno? We don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. The song has obviously completely taken over the world, and I want your musical take on what makes it tick. Yes, We Don't Talk About Bruno, smash hit off the soundtrack for the Disney film Encanto, which came out late last year. It's time to talk about We Don't Talk About Bruno. And this one is a bit of a mystery because it's rare that a Disney song makes it onto the Hot 100. And Bruno is currently at number one, having unseated Adele. And it could potentially be the biggest Disney song since the 1990s when A Whole New World was charting. I mean, that kind of surprised me because what I've heard of this song, it's pretty unusual for a chart topper. Like, where did it come from and how did it get to be so popular? Right. So the essential details here are Encanto is the latest Disney animated film taking place in a fictionalized Colombia. It follows the Madrigal family. They each have special powers except for the protagonist, Mirabelle. They have a forgotten uncle. Mm. Bruno. Ah. He's got a two-sided gift for seeing the future. Not everyone likes the future that he sees, so he goes into exile. The extended Madrigal family are gossiping in this ensemble song featuring multiple characters, cousins, aunts, uncles, figuring out what's up with this exiled Uncle Bruno. Nice summary, Charles. Do the Little Mermaid next. <laughs> Songwriter Charlie Harding explains Disney songs in three seconds or less. Is the, yeah, exactly. I'd listen. You asked, why is it a hit? I think that's why we're here. I have my theories. Mm. I imagine you have your theories. What are you hearing? The very first thing I hear when I listen to We Don't Talk About Bruno is the musical accompaniment. Let's zoom in on the piano part. When I hear this piano part, I'm instantly transported to the world of Afro-Latin music and particularly a style that originated in Cuba called Montuno. We've actually talked about this on the podcast before, way back when we dug into Camilla Cabello's Havana. Right. So this piano motive is very characteristic of the style, the way it features these kind of syncopated notes in the left-hand bass. Yeah, played alone, it's almost not enough information to even tell where the beat is. Yeah, it's very disorienting. The right hand kind of grounds you in these arpeggiated melodies. 
though actually now that I'm playing it, it's also pretty syncopated as well. It makes you want to dance. I mean, that's the point of this. Yeah. And then, so this belongs to this larger genre of Montuno, but the sound of this particular one, the way it's in this C minor key, the way it's kind of at a slower tempo, this is a, 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 a particular tradition called Guajira, known for <laughs> its kind of laid back, sultry, and maybe kind of slightly mysterious sound, which is appropriate to the the text of of We Don't Talk About Bruno. Yeah, you're right. In fact, Lin-Manuel Miranda, the musical auteur from Hamilton in the Heights, Moana, who wrote this song, Bruno, he supposedly wrote this song on the spot when the screenwriters were like, we've got this spooky character, kind of a mystery. And he's like, okay, this is definitely a dark, slow piano montuno. Interesting. I mean, you can hear it even from the very first notes, this kind of the, the, the two piano notes that lead into the first chord. It's like there's something a little it's dark, a little dark about it. This is menacing. Yeah, we're in a minor key. And then this tense seventh chord that ends each chorus. Spooky. There's a lot of a lot of suspense here. So for me, what brought me into the song, even before I'd seen the movie and really knew what it was about at all, was the sonic references to Afro Latin music and the kind of sinister slightly macabre harmonic choices that are being made here so that's like that's what first got me into this song yeah but i feel like that's just one part of the picture of this song like what what are you hearing the most curious thing about this song especially being now a pop hit not just a disney animated musical song is that it's a piece with many characters like each verse is a different person right. singing in a totally different style. Hmm. Let's take a listen to the first verse, Peppa Madrigal and her husband Felix. It was my wedding day. It was my wedding day. We were getting ready and there wasn't a cloud in the sky. This is the first verse, so we're very much in a that dramatic salsa guajira sound. Right. When we get to the second verse, the next Madrigal, Dolores, she takes us into the world of hip-hop. Or maybe even like Latin trap. Definitely. Yeah, I like the sort of ASMR whispered rapping that she's doing here. It's like, and like the bass kind of becomes an 808 at that moment. Yeah, exactly. What? That's cool. I didn't really pick up on that. There's more characters. There's more characters. We go to verse four, uh-huh. and Isabella sings basically a ballad. Hmm. He told me that the life of my dreams would be promised and someday be mine. But the most rewarding thing about this song is when you get to the final verse, you realize that all of these characters who've all been saying, don't talk about Bruno, it's gossip. It turns out they're all talking about the same thing and all of their parts have been written so that they collide together into a metaverse. Everyone sings together. So there's kind of a genre and sound for everyone. Hmm. My first reaction was like, well, this isn't very much like a pop song. It does too many things at once. Right. And then I realized, like, I feel like one of the biggest 
trends that we've spoken about on the show over the years has been the way in which song form has been upended, which genre has been upended. Right. Artists like Drake and Future on their song Life is Good have two completely different songs mashed together. Someone hit your block up, I tell you if it was us. Man, a house in Rosewood, it too plush. $100,000 for the cheapest ring on the finger look. And artists like J Balvin decide to play with traditional verse chorus structure and just make hook after hook after hook. So maybe we're kind of primed to hear a song like Bruno, which jumps from place to place because it's narratively compelling and it doesn't really matter if it follows a particularly set form. Interesting. So as mainstream pop becomes more formally adventurous and experimental, there's actually more room in our kind of mainstream taste for the kaleidoscopic styles of a song like We Don't Talk About Bruno. Yeah, exactly. I find that very persuasive, but I'm still pretty surprised at the success of this song. I I feel like there are other tracks from the Encanto soundtrack that are even more plausible as pop hits, like Surface Pressure. Like, that is a pop chorus to me. It's got a beat, it's got a repeating chord progression, it's got a melody that cycles around and round. I, I hear that and I think, oh yeah, that works as a pop song. Actually, no surprise, Surface Pressure is currently in the top 10 as well. Who knows, maybe it could reach as high as Bruno. Okay, so I wasn't wrong in my diagnosis of the pop predilections of that song. Yes, you are a pop oracle. <laughs> <laughs> Bruno is still... It's weird. It's different. It doesn't correspond to most of what's on the chart. So I'm going to need you to unleash your most uh, esoteric theories as as to why the song has become so successful. So I can truly appreciate it. You know I will. And I'm going to do so in the second half of the episode. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right, Nate, I've got two remaining potentially far-reaching theories as to why Bruno has got to be the hit off on Kanto. Give it to me, Chuck. Well, the first is that no matter what we do, we cannot escape Lin-Manuel Moran. <laughs> okay, I'm, I think I can see that. Yeah, and he's been working this sound of putting together contemporary popular music mm-hmm. and blending it with the world of Latin pop. He's been doing this for a while sure. now, right? His first Broadway musical, In the Heights, does just this. Yes, but they press through the mess, 
bounce checks and wonder what's next in the heights. I buy my coffee and I go. I buy my coffee and set my sights. Hmm. There we go. You've got your piano montuno. You've got the rapping mashed together. We've heard this sound, but it's more than just the genre connections. There's a certain way that he writes. There's a lot of sort of like musical genre tropes and things that he does over and over again that feel familiar. And if you've been exposed to his work, which is really hard not to have been, Mm -hmm. you're going to be more primed to enjoy Bruno. Okay, I'm intrigued. What are some of the tricks in the Lin-Manuel musical playbook that we might encounter here? To be honest, while I enjoy his work, I'm not enmeshed in it in the same way that my wife is. Mm -hmm. And so I had to call on Bess to answer this question. (laughs) Nice. Okay, wow, bringing the big guns. I love it. Our Lin-Manuel Miranda whisperer. Do you know what we're going to be listening to? Lin-Manuel Miranda. Do you know what it's from? Hamilton? She hadn't seen Encanto. What? This is the this is the hit song from the movie Encanto. Okay. She's never heard this song. God, this sounds just like the Maria Reynolds song. She's referencing a song from Hamilton. And I said, no, please, sir. That's what it reminds me of. It's the bodice ripping song. This is it. I did it. Did I solve your Olympian <laughs> well mystery? <laughs> That's the best I got. That was awesome. Right. So the song Say No to This from Hamilton has this very similar no, no, no quality as the Bruno song. In fact, Lin-Manuel named the character Bruno because he liked how no, 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 no worked. So he relies on some common tricks. That's amazing. Bess, you're on the payroll. I'll let her know. For me, there was one moment that brought me right back to Hamilton. And it's in that ballad section sung by Isabella that you referenced earlier. And it's it's when she does this particular kind of vocal embellishment. It's when she sings, he told me that my power would grow on the word grow. There's this spe- specific kind of melisma like grow. Me that my power would grow, grow like the grapes. It's a subtle thing, but it's exactly what happens in the song Satisfied in Hamilton when uh, the the Schuyler sisters are singing. And it's actually in the same exact key. They do the exact same melodic motive uh, on the word Eliza. Okay, that's wicked subtle, but also (laughs) wild to me because that was the other thing when I played this for best. She was like immediately singing satisfied. Okay, first of all, it's very satisfied. God, I hope you're satisfied. And you know, it's not the only thing the songs are borrowing because satisfied also does that like mashup-y thing. This is what Bess told me. Satisfied is a companion song to Helpless. It's a reaction to Helpless. And they're sung on top of each other at a certain point in Satisfied. Okay, so Helpless is the other Skylar sister song. Mm. You hear Helpless. Helpless. Oh, look at those eyes. Eyes. 
And then in Satisfied, that little melody comes in again. You have these characters colliding. I want to take him far away from this place. Then I turn and see my sister's face. And she is So wild. It shares not only that. What are we going to call that embellishment? We need to name it. Call it the the Lin jump. Not only does it share the Lin jump, it also <laughs> shares that characters mashing up their different perspectives, colliding on each other, just like Bruno does. I feel like Bruno and Satisfied are are begging for a mashup, and maybe someone already has. But <laughs> if not, there's an opportunity there, and we're offering it to you. Wait, Nate, I've got one more Lin Manuel thing that he does. A Mirandaism. This might be. <laughs> this might be more of a musical cliche, mm-hmm. but he loves to completely cut the lights, zoom in, light <laughs> spotlight on one character yeah. in the middle of a song uh-huh. at the peak drama, right? right? Right. So it happens in Bruno. He told me that the life of my dreams would be promised and someday be mine. <laughs> You get the same thing in the song Wait For It from Hamilton. What is it like in his <laughs> There it is. It's in my shot from Hamilton. I imagine death so much. Oh my god, wait, this is so good. That's amazing, Chuck. We need a name for this one, too. I almost think of it. It's like running off a cliff, kind of. <laughs> like, you're like, get it. you're going higher and higher and higher, and then you just, like, are in free fall. It's very effective, the way he does it. So we have the Lin jump, which is the little melody thing, and then we have the free fall, when you jump off the cliff and everything is gone, and you're just, like, floating there, waiting to see what happens. Works for me. Works for me. Okay. I'm sure there's, like, infinite more little cliches and things that he does. Mm. They work. They keep pulling me into the songs. I, I totally agree. He's been doing this stuff for years. The songs are wildly popular. And it just kind of makes sense to me that at this point that one of them or several of them would end up charting. But I think the reason why Bruno of all songs on the Encanto soundtrack is the one that's going up the charts is because it feels extremely connected to the language of contemporary popular music. Mm. I hear at least four references. Okay, cool. I'm curious to to hear like what the reasons are because again, I don't hear this as belonging to, you know, the typical top 10, this kind of dramatic multi-character Broadway-style musical theater number. Like what is it doing up at the highest reaches of the top 40? That's because the first reference I hear hasn't been on the charts for a minute now. You ready? Cautiously. I got nothing. Are you kidding me? One more time. One more time. Just the first two notes. No, no, you don't get this. That's not, that's, that is patently different. The beginning of Bruno, which we already talked about on this episode, those opening notes as being mysterious. That is entirely different than Britney Spears. Those are not the same. I don't know. This is the most diminutively silly connection I've ever drawn. Maybe it's nothing. It's not a connection. It's not a connection. Just strike it from the record. Okay. I got another one for you. Okay. Yeah. Wow. You're not off to a great start. So let's. God, I hope I can win you back. All right. All right. The verse in Bruno where things go into the ballad world. Uh Uh-huh. 
are these chords familiar to you? The... That is one of the most ubiquitous chord progressions in pop music. Okay, but what if you spin it around and you play it like this? Despacito does it like this. Bruno does it kind of in the inverse. Okay, you're warmer. You're warmer. You're, it's it's not the 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 complete pratfall that was your your opening solo here. <laughs> this is your your your. I'm giving you partial credit for this one. Thanks. Yeah, you're right. This is one of the most common chord progressions of all time. It's just a pop chord progression. But the connection to Latin pop is significant. Yeah. Right. I, I could when yeah. we hear, we don't talk about Bruno. I think it's due to the overwhelming success of Latin music on the pop charts in the last handful of years, right? Like, it makes me immediately think of a song like Cardi B, Bad Bunny, and J Balvin's I Like It. Right? It's got the same salsa-style piano montuno. Mm -hmm. It's got... The 808 heavy bass. Mm. And when we go to the whisper rap verse of Bruno. Right. Dolores's verse. Yeah. We're in the land of hip hop drums. An upright bass that sounds processed to be very contemporary. And if you'll bear with me. Okay. Keep on listening. Yeah. We get this verse with a bunch of different characters later on in Bruno we haven't listened to yet. Mm -hmm. And it's got this particular drum sound. He told me my fish would die the next day. Those claps? Yeah. He told me I'd grow a gut and just like he said, he said this is a moment in the song where we're trading characters, trading characters, and underneath we have these claps. Right. But it's not like a crowd clapping. Those are electronic drum machine claps that feel like they're coming from a song like Camila Cabello's Havana, for example. Hey. I mean, that last reference rings the most true to me. <laughs> I mean, I mentioned Havana already as, as you know, another appearance of our Manduno and that Guajira sound. So, yeah, I feel like that's that's a I'm, I'm comfortable with that as an antecedent. I like hearing those hand claps there. I'm less skeptical than I was when you started. I do, I do hear the 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 modern references now in in Bruno, even though they're kind of like buried under the surface. I, I I do I do detect them. Yeah, I mean, it's smart production. Like this isn't just a song in an old school musical tradition by any means. They're using contemporary sure. pop language and moments as minuscule as the sound of a clap to make us feel like it fits more comfortably on the Hot 100. But to be honest, answering this question of why does any song work? Yeah. Man, it's a million extra musical reasons. TikTok, blah, 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 right? Sure. It's tons of kids watching a Disney film, uh -huh. loving it. Right. 
But then it's the song just working. And this is a weird song. Like we haven't even talked about the fact that there's a lyric about a dead fish in the middle of the song. Like <laughs> right. it, it is truly bizarre. And I think it is a mishmash of all of these things. The success of Latin pop. The, sure. The empire of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Right. The way that a piano montuno from salsa just makes you want to move a certain way. Mm-hmm. And of course, all of the subtle references yeah. to contemporary pop. Charlie, that's enough for me. I mean, when I listen to Bruno now, I'm not going to be so mystified. I'm going to be thinking about all of those connections. And I'm just going to be enjoying having a wonderfully weird and different song at the top of the charts. I think that's awesome. Switched on Pop is produced by Nate Sloan, me, Charlie Harding. We're edited by Jolie Myers, engineered by Brandon McFarland, illustrations by Iris Gottlieb, and community management by Abby Barr. Our executive producers are Nashat Kurwa and Hannah Rosen. We're a member of the Vox Media Podcast Network and a production of Vulture. You can find more episodes of our show anywhere you listen to podcasts and our website, switchedonpop.com. Also, we love hearing from you on the Twitter and the Instagram at Switched on Pop. Tell us what you're hearing in Encanto. What are the Lin-Manuel Mirandisms that we missed and the other sonic references to pop that are layered in there? We're eagerly awaiting your response. We'll be back on Tuesday with a conversation with the electronic dance duo Sylvanesso. It's going to be yes. really fun. And until then, thanks, thanks for listening. For listening. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.